Episode 43, John Cockin. My name is Michael Delgado and I'm your host. I come to you each week from the fantastic library bar in the magnificent Mayfair Hotel right here in downtown LA. My appointment is bravely or unwittingly seated with his back to the lobby door as I enter. He is, however, holding the book we've agreed upon as the marker. It's time to meet. You know Geiger's bookstore across the street? I think I may have passed it. You know Geiger by sight? Geiger's in his early 40s, medium height, fattish, soft all over, Charlie Chan mustache, well-dressed, wears a black hat, affects the knowledge of antiques and hasn't any, and Oh, yes, I think his left eye is glass. Hello. 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 My guest tonight is John Cockins, the force behind a must-see exhibition of hard-to-find WPA posters. I'm sure you're aware the WPA was the Depression to World War II-era federally funded initiative that built the Hoover Dam, the Tennessee River Valley Authority, and the Civilian Conservation Corps, among other things. Um, But it also kept, you know, artists like Jackson Pollock alive. Posters for the People, which opens this Friday at 5 p.m. at the Mutmuz Gallery on Chunking Road, will exhibit rare original WPA posters that not only evoke a very particular time in our nation's history, They'll even inspire a renewed call to arms. In the spirit of collective organization, John is also offering printmaking workshops on Saturday, February 1st and February 8th. So let's learn more and please welcome John Cockins. Welcome John Cockins. Thank you. It's nice to be here, Michael. (laughs) It's good to have you. I'm excited to hear about the show, which is this Saturday, right? No, it's opening on Friday, actually. What? Friday? Okay, sorry. And and what time? Friday we're on uh, starting at five, um, and then we're gonna have the curator Ennis as well as the collector Henry give a little talk, a little color uh, to describe um, the origins of the posters, and um, you know a nice selection. That's and, super cool. So are, are they, these are all original posters, then, or some are reproductions, or what's going on? I don't have the final word on that, to be honest, but a lot of them are originals, um, and some have been unearthed in the most unlikely places. Some of these posters were single works that were hand-lettered, hand-painted, um, but over time, as the, the program, the WPA program, progressed, then they started to do uh, mass production, so right. silk screen, um, lithograph, woodcut, um, those kind of printing techniques um, and you know thousands of these were made but um, unfortunately yeah but they're hard to find right I was looking I was doing a little bit of homework on it and yes they were printed quite a bit and they were like the advent of actually like uh, silk screening right it was like a big deal to like silk screen then um, and but they're actually they're they're hard to find right yeah I mean the 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 people who were starting to do that um, work did come from the commercial, from the advertising world, department stores at that time in the 20s and 30s started to do show cards and posters for displays in their stores. And, uh, you know, at the time, 
the art scene was still very much um, the high-minded art was looking to Europe for everything. There wasn't mm -hmm. much of an American identity right. uh, in art, so the commercial artists were always looked down upon um, as that was something vernacular or too basic. But um, as this program progressed, there were so many out-of-work artists that, you know, the content, a lot of it was propaganda. You know, they would be trying to describe or highlight certain social programs say that they were trying to, the government was trying to initiate um, health and education, history and national heritage, to things like travel and tourism. Um, yeah, there, it was like, it struck me when I was looking at the posters, uh, it's a wide, wide range of stuff. Like, so as you mentioned, there's like travel posters and some of the things I really dug where it's like from the national parks, like, you know, so like really beautiful, like, Almost, I don't know, was Maxfield Parrish, I mean, it looked like they were Maxfield yeah, Parrish. I don't know that he was I the artist or not. I think he was an influence. Um, yeah. But those are iconic, especially the Yellowstone. Yeah, the yeah, Canada, yeah, the yeah National I Parks. that and the Lassen Park. They're just really, really fun to see. But what struck me was not only that, was you know, and then you see the other, as you pointed out, the breadth of, of things that they were asked to talk about or, you know, uh, illustrate, the, the health and then there was theater and even writing stuff, right? And uh, so you really get a sense of that period. Because you know, the, the WPA also had, you know, a, not only just the poster thing, they also had like murals and yeah, exactly. easel painting yeah. and all that, right? But this is just posters, So this right? was one division of the WPA called the Federal Art Project. There were a lot of WPA public works projects and even other programs, things people know about, like the Tennessee Valley Authority, which was to do electrification and dams. Mm -hmm. and the sure, Hoover Dam yeah. was built Infrastructure for massive, stuff, massive yeah. engineering projects. To things like the Civilian Conservation Corps, people know about that. It built these incredible trail, yeah, mountain trails, trails yeah, and um, took care of um, national parks and uh, improved the roads in places. And those were those were enormous programs. And the fact was, you know, a quarter of the of people were unemployed at that time, the early years of the depression. And this. This program continued, though, it was, it was made to be temporary, but fortunately the leadership all the way from the top, from FDR, Roosevelt, who was president at the time, he, he really wanted to make an impact um, with these social programs. And of course, he met so much resistance, but um, he was fortunate that he at least got it off the ground. But of course, politics entered into it because you have artists involved and people who <laughs> don't... Uh, don't necessarily want to conform to uh, a political down, agenda. Yeah, yeah. They're not conservative. They, you know, um, it's interesting. It's when people use the term propaganda, it's it's often a negative connotation that you're trying to fool people or manipulate them. But in fact, this was very direct propaganda, just to have visual imagery that people could respond to viscerally. Yeah, and, and actually that struck me as well, um, that, yeah, I, and I thought it was a little bit ironic uh, on a number of points, perhaps. They're clearly propaganda in terms of they're trying to uh, promote the American way, 
And at the time, but then as you look closely at the posters and the things that they attribute and stuff, with maybe the exception of um, uh, you know, black Americans, uh, or very much in the exception of the black yeah. Americans, um, there, there's a there's an effort to like uh, assimilate. There's an assimilation mm-hmm. that is an, a, a, a palpable undercurrent, and um, and you know belied by the fact that the the artists that are doing this are all you know uh, primarily European immigrants. Oh, yeah, a lot of them are leading ones. Yeah, yeah, it's like the dude, like the, what's his name. How do you say that? Flute? Flute, Flute uh, yeah, who started the, the New York program. He, uh, Timothy Flute, he was an immigrant from Germany. Been, he was a Bauhaus He guy. was a Bauhaus guy, yeah. yeah. And that you see so much of that influence in the design mm-hmm. and typography of the posters. It's true, and New York City was by far the biggest program, and that's where you had the biggest melting pot of people right. coming from abroad and people with... You know, real leftist tendency, people escaping Hitler and fascism. Right. And because you see some of the designs that are look like they're not far off the the Russian constructivist propaganda exactly. ones. But, you know, and so it's it's an interesting sort of irony that you know here's this you know yeah kind of American thing, but it's being you know the language is, is sure. being used from some other. Uh, politically charged sure. vernacular. And this that was a movement called heroic idealism, which also would in Europe would, you know, celebrate the heroes of the First World War. This was the time when so many people died in that war, and this is before World War Two. Right. But you know, clearly, uh, you know, Hitler rising in Europe and. Um, isolationism being a problem in the United States because the country was in crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right, right. No, to, just, just to fill in the gaps, there were, there were um, four different projects. Some people know about, um, there was the Federal Art Project, the Federal Music Project, the Federal Theater Project, and the Federal Writers Project, which you might know about. They recorded um, oral, oral histories from people like former slaves, and people, you know, who were illiterate and, you know, yeah, living in rural areas. Right. A lot of these programs were also about getting into rural places in the country and saying, yeah, this is original art and would have art education classes for people, not just kids, but including kids, um, and just to sort of try and make art a part of people's lives. Same with music, same with theater. Yeah, um, the idea was really kind of, as you mentioned, that, you know, as opposed to the European, there, the idea was that it's not the solo genius, in, you know, making masterpieces, but it's in fact an entire movement of yeah. people, uh, and, and, you know, of varied skill levels, right? Because that sure. was part of the problem. Right, like it was criticized for that too, that the quality yeah. wasn't always there. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're gonna try, you know, like, yeah, you're gonna try and balance art making with, like, well, this dude needs a job. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, you see who breaks through today, you know, who, who makes it today. You see people who start out in street art and doing mm-hmm. stickers and graffiti and stuff, right, and yeah. some of them make it to the big time, you know? Yeah. But it's if you start a level where. You can get your work in front of people when, 
you know, I'm sure yeah, these but that was were, that wasn't really the point, right? The point was just yeah. to employ people really kind of and show that like, hey, you know, art is uh, it's an expression of a, of a general uh, uh, our, our, uh, is in fact our culture, right? Yeah. And so um, there may have been sticker artists at the time <laughs> had they made stickers. <laughs> um, well. Yeah, I know, going back to the time in uh, Paris, Sarah Bernhardt, who was a famous uh, singer and personality, she had, she had her posters done by Alphonse Mucha, and that mm. became an enormous sensation. Nobody had, mm-hmm. had made these enormous... This was the late 1890s. And, the, and they're French. Though, and they're right? French, yeah. yeah, and those disappeared too, but today they're worth... You oh, know, if you have an original one, it's worth a million bucks. Um, but that really hadn't done before. Posters were considered a lower art. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, what's great is everybody has posters and they grew up with them. And, and it's something that's simple. It can really make you happy. And um, you don't, you know, you go to a museum and you see this, you know, look, don't touch thing. And, um, you know, it's just a different, mm-hmm. different kind of relationship to art, you know. Right, right, right. How, how did the show come about? Yeah, um, great. Well, I, um, I've been involved with um, sort of an alternative travel website, a company called Atlas Obscura for many years. And Very cool. I love that. Yeah, Sorry. Atlas Obscura is amazing. It's like, I, I, I aspire to go to on all of those trips. Yeah, like there's so many great trips and excursions all around Los Angeles. I can plug for, for LA. We have the most active of all, all the... Uh, the uh, obscure societies around the U.S., the big ones, there are big ones in uh, New York, Washington, D.C., San Francisco, Seattle, and uh, also Philadelphia. And, and you can find it at Atlas Obscura. AtlasObscura.com, right. yeah. And there's a lot more than just um, the Atlas, where you discover a curious and wonderful place, but you can go on these great excursions and meet all kinds of great people. Um, but um, Ennis, the curator, uh, Ennis Carter, uh, had done this program an exhibition in uh, in Philadelphia where she lives and she'd been putting together a collection of these posters for many years and also doing a hands-on workshop and demonstration and that had become an Atlas Obscura weekend event uh, yeah. where you'd um, so is that how you guys met or yeah so I just reached out to her and I said I'd love to do this in LA I know you're in Philadelphia and she said, yeah, you know, because I'm in Philadelphia, I have tons and tons of posters from Pennsylvania and New York and Illinois, which are where there was all real hotbeds of yeah. uh, the WPA poster activity. But I'll have to really uh, search and find the people who can help me uh, put together a collection of California and West Coast posters, because that would make sense if I come out to L.A. And I said, great. Um, how do we find that person? She said, well, I know this guy. And his name is Henry, um, Henry Viscara. And uh, so a lot of the works that were going to be on display at um, Mutmo's Gallery, uh, we're going to be there on Friday. Uh, and the show's going to be running um, really two, those two consecutive weekends, both Saturdays, February the 1st and February the 8th. Um, we're going to have hands-on demonstrations. Ennis is going to have all the materials to to uh, yeah, to create those about posters. That. So like, yeah. okay, so you've got uh, the poster show, which is 
super exciting. I, I love this period of uh, American history. You know, obviously, A.G. Geiger, you know, from late 30s, 40s kind of thing. But um, uh, the, then you're going to have, you're saying, you're going to actually have a workshop for printing your own poster? Yeah, yeah we're just going to set up right in front of the gallery. Um, it's a... It's going to be something that's all ages, and it's really interesting if you've never tried your hand at uh, um, screen printing. Yeah, well, really we have lot. screen printing in the back of the store. Yeah, yeah. You but you know, there's some great people called Press Friends, and they do uh, really fantastic work. A lot of work for um, big bands. They do the band merch, not the shirts and stuff, but the actual like limited edition posters. I think as deep as you want to go into it, if you're really experienced with screen printing, there'll be ways to uh, yeah, good to join in. But with know, yeah. the templates we have, um, they're all reproductions of these posters. Not all of them, I think, from our exhibit, but they will be WPA posters from the ah, '30s. Super cool. And I, a lot of people say, "Oh yeah, that was the '30s, the WPA." It actually extended into the '40s, and people think, "Oh, the '40s, yeah, that's when the Second World War started." And um, obviously it did, and then you see, oh, that's when propaganda really made a difference, when people said, you know, we're scared, <laughs> our country could be invaded, um, you know, but there's a big fight at hand, uh, you know, everybody's got to mobilize for this. And I, you know, I have a theory, I haven't um, had it confirmed anywhere, but my sense from studying history is, you know, this period of the New Deal and these social programs really help people get a sense of we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And that made the war effort that much more successful. I mean, the productivity of American factories and how, you know, how much stuff was produced and people were willing to live on rations and coupons and those kind of things. You yeah. know, that yeah, really yeah, yeah. maybe made the difference, you know, in prevailing in the Second World War. Um, as I say, you know, that was that was a different time. You know, maybe our grandparents or great-grandparents uh, <laughs> who witnessed that. You know, my right. father my father was in the Navy in the Second World War. And, um, you know, you hear stories here and there, but it's, it's fascinating history. Everybody loves World War II history, and then the Depression is like, oh, oh the Depression, that must have been <laughs> terrible. But... You know, it's it's a radio, it's before television, you know, there was so much interesting stuff happening, culture and music and art, you know, it's just... uh, Yeah, and that's all evident in these posters, which was uh, what I found fascinating. Because, again, like, yeah, when you think about the WPA posters, the first things that pop to mind are either the later uh, years of the war propaganda, and then, or the very early pieces... Like the theater things, like you see yeah. the posters for the theaters that are the theater work that was being done. Yeah, um, you know, and I, a lot of those plays, I guess, are not performed much anymore. But you do get a sense. Of, well, they had the classics. I saw yeah. Carmen and yeah, and, uh, Macbeth and yeah. all the cla- you know, class, super classic. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Shakespeare's forever. <laughs> yeah. And and actually there was a Shakespeare Light poster I saw for it yeah. that was like adapted by Sinclair Lewis or something. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh. There's so many. I mean they there are literally millions of these posters were produced. Okay, as, as original works, um, a couple thousand and they've only 
been able to recover about the Library of Congress has 900 and so they surface or you know somebody who can find (laughs) one please come forward get in touch um, because that that's really uh, that's a great discovery and you know a lot of these artists who participate in various programs um, you know Jackson Pollock was the you know, he was uh, well. Yeah, I, I was going to say uh, that. I mean, with Thomas Hart Benton, you know, yeah. people, you know, people don't make that connection. But but they weren't really they weren't in the poster program. So, no, yeah, no, so they would do the easel yeah. painting. Um, there was of course the also sculpture. There, 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 was, there were there were murals. Um, There's wonderful murals in the Union Station yeah, post office. Oh, that's that's the stuff that yeah. is so wonderful to discover that when you go to a town somewhere and you're right. in the post office mm-hmm. or in a school high school or right. a hospital or you know that's that's a lot of stuff that got me interested because I studied specifically the mural programs and, but um, you know the social programs um, you know I, I, I like so much just the directness of safety and education and health and those yeah. are such common themes not just for Americans but everybody all over the world like clean your teeth or brush your teeth <laughs> right, or get yeah. your eyes checked or yeah, yeah, yeah. you know those are or like posters do you know and there'll be some of those in the show yeah also, yeah. yeah we have some uh, they're, and they're funny you see them now because you know we always think you know in advertising copy it has to be cute or have mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. nuance or um, yeah, these are double pretty, meaning pretty and these things they're yeah, just yeah, like yeah. they just tell you exactly right. <laughs> what you need to know like look both ways before you cross the street you know who <laughs> would say that <laughs> yeah my favorite being a bookseller of course was the uh, are you a good uh, a member of the good of uh, the book friend club yeah. Where they tell you not to break the spine of the book <laughs> right, or right. to like fold the pages, like oh god, I'm a good, I'm a member. That's <laughs> great. Yeah, I didn't know about that. I'm always, I'm always gentle with my books. <laughs> well, the, there's a WPA poster to remind you. All right, I gotta, gotta search that one. Anyway, there's also a book um, that Ennis has written. And yes, we're have a copy of the this, book. This and the book will be in book. the store. This one's for you, Michael. And, and what is know, the name of the book? The book is called Posters for the People. And, um, you know, it's just gorgeous. You see these in full color. You can take home. There's yeah, a few hundred here. It's definitely a copy you table. Know, we're looking edition. at one right now. It's the Sea America United States Travel Bureau. These beautiful cave... I don't know where that might be. Stalactites and you know this Carl's iconic Brown, style. Yes. You know, it's like it's just gorgeous and um, has been imitated widely. Now, when did this book come out? This book came out in two thousand eight, and it's actually gone into a reprint. And uh, it's a it's a beautiful book, and we've got copies that'll be on sale at the gallery, and there'll be poster reproductions that will be available for purchase. And um, Another thing, I, I have to mention this, we're going to have um, what we call the New Deal Film Festival, which <laughs> you don't need to come at any appointed time. Um, we're open afternoons. In the studio? In the gallery, we're going to have a, a TV monitor up and we're going to be playing a loop of all these great uh, propaganda films from the 30s, oh, which were um, promotional pieces. For the various programs, and where do those come from? Are those in, those are all those are all out there. The ones I was looking at, um, it's, it's an archive in Berkeley, 
California had a thing called the Prelinger Archive. Have you ever mm. heard of that? No. And they have, they've just kept, or, you know, excavated all these great old, you know, like newsreel styles. And the, mm-hmm. and the way of talking is like, look at their, <laughs> it's a home run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And good sportsmen, you know, this kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, so it's that very folksy, old timey sure. stuff. That um, it's great, and you know you'll see stuff that's been imitated and copied. And you know I love type design and fonts, and you know I'm just as Ennis says, she's a total nerd about all this stuff. So you'll get a chance to come and talk to her and nerd out on uh, <laughs> all these. Uh, Details so, of graphic. Okay, so things. Friday night, this Friday, mm-hmm. February, no, uh, January thirty first. Yeah. And at, at what time? Six p.m. Starts at five. Five. Um, okay. And uh, but run till eight or nine or so, um, and uh, that's the opening. And then I think we're going to do another closing event on the ninth. So if you can't make oh, it, oh, it's very short. It's yeah. So it's generally just two weekends, but. Um, we're announcing it, but it's, it's listed in the LA Weekly, and um, and uh, Buttonless Gallery or an Instagram um, um, posters for the people. Look up posters for the people. Art of the WPA. Um, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a great show, and Chunking Road is, is just loaded with atmosphere. I, I do have to mention that on the first. There's going to be the Golden Dragon Parade. Oh, yes, know, yes, yes, yes. So, this yeah, is the it's advisory. A little, it's a little crazy the, the streets, that day, The streets yeah. are going to be clogged, so you can take the gold line down there, or a ride share, or bike, or But it's only, or, actually, you know, I live down there. So, um, yes, it is nuts from, like, but not until, they don't block off the street until, like, 10 in the morning, yeah. until only, like, 2. Okay. So well, it we'll is a little crazy down there. Everybody's down there. But, uh, and parking, but there's plenty of parking. I mean, Chinatown gets a bad rap for parking. I know it's uh, undeserved. And um, so there'll be plenty of parking. There's lots of metered parking on the street. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, for sure you should come down. It'll be, it'll be fun. Yeah, I've never seen it. And, it, you know, come down for the parade. It, the parade is hilarious. They've got the, you know, the, the dragon thing and. There's, you know, the, the, the all the, the, the politicians come out in the convertibles. Yeah. It's it's classic. It's Sounds absolutely great. classic. Yeah. Um, High school I've bands. Never, it's really fun. I've never seen a Chinatown parade. I know it from the movie What's Up Doc in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know the scene? It's <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah. No, they have the little dragons that run around. And so, yeah. yeah. It's fun. No, it, it's going to be great. So, um, yeah, anytime from noon till four on Saturday, and then the gallery will stay open a little later, but weekends, and then by appointment, get in touch, and um, we can uh, we can show you the exhibit uh, on, a, on a private tour. Great. I hope that was all right. Hey, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, this is for you. Oh, I love this. Um, You've been listening to A.G. Geiger Presents Tales from the L.A. Art Underworld. My guest tonight was John Calkins, the organizer behind Posters for the People. It'll be opening this Friday, January 31st at Mutma's Gallery, 971 Chunking Road. It's just around the corner from the bookstore. 
You can learn more on postersforthepeople.com, but I really think you should just come out and see the real thing. A.G. Geiger Presents is produced by me, Michael Delgado, in conjunction with the Mayfair Hotel, music and artist management company, Regime 72, and A.G. Geiger Fine Art Books. Check us out at MayfairLA.com, Regime72.com, and of course, AGGeiger.com. Thanks for listening.